Well, congrats to everyone who made it through turn. Now take a deep breath and just rest for a second. Okay, now let's talk about your lease up plan for 2020. <laughs> Isn't it crazy how quick we have to change gears in the student housing industry? So seriously, what's your plan? What's your plan for renewals? What's your digital strategy? How are you going to get in front of more international students? How are you going to leverage social media? What is going to get students' attention this year? Every marketing plan for each property is going to be different, but one thing that should be consistent in every marketing plan is listing your property on Unilodgers. Why? Because Unilodgers has a 10-year history and an infrastructure for getting in front of more international students than any other listing platform. Another reason why? Unlike other listing services, you don't pay a monthly listing fee and have no guarantee of an ROI. You only pay Unilodgers a fee once a student moves in. Not sign a lease, but once the resident has actually moved in. So what is there to lose? Visit the link in the show notes or go to unilodgers.com forward slash contact hyphen us. That's U-N-I-L-O-D-G-E-R-S dot com forward slash contact hyphen us and get your property listed today. Welcome to the Student Housing Insight Podcast, where we're putting you in touch with the people who bring student housing to life. I'm your host, Wesley Dees, and joining me today is the wonderful Greta Dare. Ooh, I'm wonderful. Can you always <laughs> say something nice before you say my name? I love that. How are you doing? The glorious, the, I can't think of anything else. The brilliant. Oh my God. Say brilliant. (laughs) The brilliant. It's my favorite. It's my favorite descriptor in the whole world. Um, I thought thought the was was your greatest descriptor. That's, that's not a descriptor. That's, that's an actual like name. That's a nickname said, but if we're talking in terms (laughs) of like adjectives, then brilliant is my all time favorite top best yeah anyway way too much time spent on that we're totally moving on because now i'm completely embarrassed that went from fun to embarrassing really quickly anyway i'm doing if, very- you're, if you're a new audience member and you don't get the reference to the was it has no! to do with our it has to do with our community oh our online community that greta that greta <laughs> created it is it is absolutely outstanding create because she's never satisfied with anything ever <laughs> <laughs> So, um, so yeah, if you're not a member of the SHI community where you can get all your student housing news and job posts and upcoming events, make sure that you go to studenthousinginsight.com and click on the member login up in the upper left-hand corner and sign in. It's in the upper right-hand corner, by the way. What's that? It's in the upper right-hand corner. You're right. It's in the (laughs) upper right-hand corner. Yeah, if you're not on there, get on there. And by the way, if you are on there and you haven't actually posted your profile picture, I'm judging you. Just so you know, I spent a lot of time on that site. Put your profile picture on there. Interact. Do those things. Do the things. Anyway, 
Yeah. All right. Yeah, there, there are a few people who put their profile pictures. There but. are. I actually love, I really wanted to like go through and I wanted to like comment on some of my favorite profile pictures because we have some really, really great ones on there. Like some of them are so fun and mine are lame because I use like the same two pictures across all like three social media platforms or anything <laughs> everywhere. It's like the same two pictures that you will ever find of me. I do that intentionally, but like some people have some really awesome pictures of themselves on. They're just so fun and interesting. And I'm almost like wanted to put a post and it's like, who has the best, like most creative, fun, expressive profile pictures. And make sure that you're, that you're tuning into our Instagram page as well, because we've, Kristen's amazing. <laughs> yeah, we've. I'm not sure if we're introducing her on a podcast before this one or after this one, but uh, Kristen Hahn, who who was previously with Cardinal Group and, and joined us recently, just has. She's she, just, she's just taking it. She went to nuts, a whole man. Other, yeah, she's just taking it to a whole other level. But anyway, yeah. outside of that, this episode is being recorded after turn. And we're already at the date of this recording. We're at August 23rd and everyone's already pretty much through move in. Congratulations to everybody for making it through turn, by the way. Great job. No matter what happened. Congratulations. You're alive. <laughs> we're so proud of you. I know, I know there's a, there's a few, uh, you know, universities out there here in the U S and then uh, obviously uh, around the world that will end up starting in September and, and good luck to to you guys that are that have to do that in September, but yeah, now it's everybody's occupancy is you know starting to shake out, and people are understanding what their impact of no shows is actually going to have, and that type of thing. And damn you know, no shows, at, yeah. And then looking at consolidating so that you, you know you don't have one person in a four bedroom unit, right? And that ends up creating some some other opportunities for ancillary income, which is putting them on the short-term rental market, kind of like Airbnb. So, Greta, have you ever had any experience with with listing completely vacant units on Airbnb or Bookings.com or anything like that? No, absolutely not. I have. <laughs> and let oh. me tell you, it is... It is it's like having turned all over again, like several times during the oh, week. Oh yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on it. I told you that I have a lot of thoughts on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I had a, a property that was in my portfolio that was in Austin, Texas. Of course, Austin's got the big two week South by Southwest that you know festival that happens. Oh my! I couldn't even imagine. And yeah, we had some some vacant apartments, and it made sense. And fortunately, we had somebody that that knew a little, you know, knew how to, because she had her own investment properties in Austin and she was kind of doing the same thing and she, she helped us navigate it. But man, oh man, it was, and I only got to see it from a distance. <laughs> I happened to be down there kind of on the tail end of it. And it was just, uh, it was a nightmare. I mean, it, it's yeah. just a lot to, to manage and, and not so much. I mean, it's, you know, there's nothing that's hard about it. It's just, uh, Very time consuming, and it's not something that you know your professional full time staff are the ones that have to take care of it, not your student part time staff. It's it, it it just requires much more hands on, and it's not something where you know you can kind of leave a checklist and and have your part timers take care of it. This is something that you know it takes. 
uh, you're working like a hotel. So yeah. it takes that type of um, that type of intensity. So wait, no, before yeah, you describe ahead. this, this company, this is why I actually want to preface this with a couple of things really quickly before you jump into it. And it's that it's, it's really important that everybody just paid attention to everything that Wes said, and then more. If you somehow missed that this is a very specific organization or you know business model that is being introduced in this interview, this is not an episode that's going to be specific of if you have vacant units, the solution is to just throw them up on Airbnb and get some, you know, order some Amazon basic towels and sheets and go get, you know, some dishes from TJ Maxx and all of your occupancy no-show problems are solved. That is not what this episode is. So if they're like, can if I can get a record scratch right here, that's not what this episode is because what needs to be realized and it was funny because when I first started listening to the episode I am a terrible human and I was like oh is that what this is about no it's not Um, because I had a page and a half worth of notes and I told Wes this (laughs) of all of the reasons why that can be so incredibly difficult and if somebody would have proposed that to me in any of my previous positions I would have you know had a dead look on my face been like absolutely not because of all of the difficulties associated with that because it isn't simple, it isn't easy, and there's so, so much to take into consideration from the, you know, multitude of people that you, that will be coming in and out of your community to the check-in process, the checkout process, the communication, the follow-up, the billing, the possible damages, the issues that arise during their say, the, all of this stuff is the all tax, stuff happening. The tax yes. liability. <laughs> the regulations, the laws, it's don't think that this is something that just solves your occupancy problems and that this is just something you can do with Airbnb or HomeAway or Verbo or any of those. It isn't, you know, and that your on-site manager can just solve this and, oh, you just download the app and put it on there and it's super easy for game weekend and, oh, that's no problem at all. It is a problem. This is, there's a reason why there's a whole business built around hosts who do this and it isn't super easy. So really take that into consideration. There's a whole business that built a model around this. And that's why there's huge regulations in cities and states and counties about when and where this is allowed and why. And that this specific podcast is about a company that's built it specifically for our types of properties to make it manageable for us, for you. And that is the company that you amazingly found that amazingly exists and amazingly covers what sounds like literally every objective or objection that I had in my head. Well, I, no, I appreciate that. And, and of course, uh, you know, as you can imagine, uh, I'm sure we had a lot of the same questions that, that immediately <laughs> came up in our head, right? So, and, and the, you know, this is coming out of this is coming out of a practical place. You know, I do asset management for other clients and, you know, I've got a couple of properties that one's not struggling that bad. A couple of the others are really, and we knew there were going to be occupancy issues. It was, it was a turnaround project. So, you know, we, we knew that this was, you know, this was ultimately going to come. We've been talking about since March and April, uh, you know, really working with the site team to say, "Hey, let's let's make sure we're consolidating and and keeping this open." Because for two reasons, one, it allows you to control the the utility expenses on those fully vacant apartments because you can't really do that when you've got one person that's occupying a four bedroom because you're you're cooling the entire place. 
Mm-hmm. And it's not if you, if you're one of those people who think, well, we can just close off the other the other vents in the other rooms. No, you're actually going to end up causing more problems if you do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's not how this works. <laughs> that's not how that works. But yeah, you know, over that process of, you know, saying, okay, we know we're going to, you know, we're going to end up with this. I immediately kind of began a search uh, of trying to find a group out there that, that manage short-term rentals because, some of these properties are very small and because of that, they've got a small staff and, and to put that on them seemed like it was going to be you know not worth its time <laughs> and would not be done very well. And uh, anyway, came across Vector Travel and reached out to, to Mickey and Mickey actually uh, sent me some information uh, on a recent article that he did within Student Housing. Actually, I think I've got that backwards. I think maybe he reached out to me first, but we were kind of in that process of of, of finding it. Communication happened. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so anyway, Mickey sent me a, an article that he had written for for another blog website, and it was it was kind of right on. And <laughs> come to find out. He, he has a test case in that article for a property in Austin and come to find out it was the same property <laughs> that we did that we did the South by Southwest <laughs> short term rentals in. So um, and what's what's crazy about that is they've they've now expanded to, I think, four or five other properties with that particular uh, property management company. And they're now doing for that building in Austin. They're doing I think they're up to twenty five or thirty units that they're doing for this year. So they're certainly happy with that model. And, and let me, let's, let's be honest, you would certainly rather have long-term residents in there. It's a better story for the lenders and, and underwriters if you're trying to, to sell a property and that type of thing. But uh, in that first month, they uh, that property owned 17 uh, studio apartments, made $35,000, and that was their cut after the fees paid to Vector and, of course, the booking fees on Airbnb and everything else. So, so no, I think it's fantastic. They've really thought a lot of things through, not just so from the, many things. Yeah, not just from the standpoint of, of the regulation and, and the accounting and the taxes, as well as the, the bedding and furniture, furniture is needed, which typically isn't student housing. But they even went to the to the extent of putting in noise aware, which is a, a decibel um, meter rating type of equipment that will <laughs> give them. <laughs> Did you like that? That's I a thing, right? Yes. <laughs> Your descriptors of things are always my favorite. <laughs> well, Mickey will explain it. I don't need to yeah. go into it. No, <laughs> but that was the amazing thing is that it was like, I, like I said, when I first started sat down and I was a jerk and I didn't realize that this was a specific company that basically was like, here's all of the possible issues. And therefore we have to solve all of the possible issues, you know, in order to service this particular, you know, business or this industry. And so I'm scribbling out all of my notes and I'm like, this, these are all the reasons why this would be difficult or, you know, diff- you know, more difficult for the onsite team and we're creating more work and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I'm going through one by one and I'm like, oh, okay. They take care of that. Oh, okay. They solve that. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Oh. And it was like, yeah, the noise decibel reading machine as <laughs> you so eloquently described it. But no, it was, you know, that was part of it. And, you know, it was every one of my concerns that would have immediately had me shut this whole idea down was completely kind of just obliterated. You know, it's everything is managed and thought of. And 
that's incredible. You know, it this solves an enormous amount of problems. It solves the occupancy issue, but their whole business model is built around that. So I know that I'm pretty sure there's a couple of different, you know, there might be a couple of different companies that do this type of thing. And then, like I said, there's obviously the option, the very poorly chosen option, in my professional opinion, to just throw it up on one of the other services, which I absolutely recommend fully against for very strong, obvious reasons. And then, there, you know, there's other options for other companies out there. But this this one, because of all of the multitude of areas that they have covered in such good ways, this is a great, great solution to short-term occupant or to occupancy issues at the beginning of the year or throughout the year, you know, as it progresses all the way down to if you start being able to backfill, you know, as spring leases, you know, if you start to be able to get short-term leases in the spring, they've got a solution for that too. It's like they really... They really kind of thought of thought of it all, which was incredible yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah. I think I think probably the key thing because there are other companies out there that do this, but the one thing that really sets Vector apart is what they've got on the ground as far as infrastructure with yeah with regional managers that can go to the property if if and when needed. So um, that's, that's huge. Yeah, yeah. I mean. You know, if you if you've got to do this, do you really want to have to you know, have to have your property manager respond to a noise issue at one o'clock in the morning over a short term stay? Exactly. Um, and, and that was, again, one of the things that was on the list. So yeah. I guarantee you guys, anything that you have in your mind that you're thinking of right now, I also, I had in my mind, I mean, Wes had in his mind and Wes, you know, it came up one way or another between the two of us. So it definitely is going to be in this episode. I will say, and this is something that I mentioned, there is one point of contention that I do ultimately have that I do, you know, this is a great business model. This is a great idea. It's a great solution to an overwhelming problem that we've all faced in this industry by the way, just in case anybody's feeling lonely, you know, in their their struggle right now, we've all been there. But something to keep in the back of your mind is the resident experience, right? While there, there are so many solutions to this, all of your concerns are, you know, met with a solution as this episode plays on. One thing to keep in the back of your mind is that this is, they are still short-term people. They are still, you know, overnight stays. They might be two or three days. They might be two weeks. They might be three weeks. We don't know, you know, it's for however long they book. And it's, there are a ton of safety measures that are put in place. That's wonderful. However, it still might be a different demographic. They are still being, you know, dependent upon your agreement. They may be given full access to amenities. And so it's, it's, they're still going to be interacting with your residents. They're still going to be walking down hallways with your residents. They're still going to be in some way, manner or another, they're still going to be there. And so it's really a matter of just knowing that in the back of your mind and saying, does this meet our mission? Does this meet our promise to our residents, to our parents and to the community and the university that which we service? And if it does, then you are good. And if you feel good about it, then that's great. I'm not saying that like, well, if it does wink, I'm legitimately saying that it may very well. And if it does, that's no, there's nothing against you if it does. That's, you know, there are a lot of contingencies that you can put in place and a lot of contingencies that already exist within this business model that make this perfectly acceptable. So these are all well, and, things to keep in mind. And just so, I mean, you'll hear it in the podcast. I mean, what you're referring to is, is I made the comment to Mickey that, you know, obviously parents, I think are going to have some concern if they've signed a lease and without, you know, knowledge up front that, you know, there's going to be this transient environment that's going to be there as well with short-term rentals. 
And I made the comment that, you know, I don't think it bothers the students as much because they're kind of used to the technology and, and, and I fully and disagree used, with that. <laughs> used to booking on Airbnb for spring breaks and things like that. No, no. I mean, I, I see, I don't disagree with anything you're saying. I'm just saying that compared to their parents, I think they're probably going to be a little bit more accepting of it, but um, I mean, again, that's like I, that's just my thought. I and 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 also being based off of you know what Mickey has experienced up to this point. But every property is a little bit different. Well, and I think we're coming from two different perspectives. Even just given you know our two different gender perspectives, you yeah. know. So I no, can absolutely, say, absolutely, yeah. But, you know, I, I think that from that perspective, there are potentially going to be students who and that's those are things to keep in mind. There might be students who see that or learn about that and take. And those are things that I'm saying that these are things to have in the back of your mind when you are taking this into consideration. You know, are there going to be people, you know, and even the location of the vacant, fully vacant apartment? Are there going to be residents nearby who are going to be potentially uncomfortable with that? And potentially rightfully so. You don't know who all of the people are that are going to be staying in that. So keep that stuff in the back of your mind. And is that going to be reflected in your reviews? Is that going to be reflective in your word of mouth? Is that something that these people are going to be comfortable with? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know that you truly know until, until you get, I mean, you got to, you got to weigh the, the negatives and the positives. I mean, absolutely. if you're a property sitting at 60% right now, I, I don't know that you've got recommending against it by any stretch. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know that you've got any other choice, you know, uh, but, to, but to look at doing this. So let's, uh, let's cut to the interview really quick and we'll, uh, in the outro, we've got a couple of things that we need to go over, including um, some reminders on those uh, other things that you should be doing right now. If you've got vacancy that you need to fill. So listen all the way to the end for real. Mickey, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Wes. Happy to be here. Well, it's it's a perfect timing um, because we are right at the end of, of everyone's move in and and everybody's you know kind of seeing where their occupancy is is ending up. You know, I know when uh, days when I was on site, you know, even if you got to a hundred percent. There just wasn't always, you know, that that you didn't, never really had a comfort feeling that everybody was going to show up. Sure. And, and if you if you've been through that before, obviously you, those folks that have done that understand the importance of a waiting list. But and then there's others that you know I, I've got some some properties that I'm working on right now from an asset management standpoint, and there's some oversupply this year, and and not just with our property, but the entire market, and so. We we began conversations several months ago. When I say we, I mean you know, myself and and those particular property managers of okay, this is just the reality. You know, there there's oversupply in this market, hmm. and we've got to you know we've got to figure out other ways that we can make up some other ancillary income. You know, short term leases, that type of thing. I say short term leases. I mean semester long leases, or you know something something to that effect. But there's another thing that <laughs> has been going on that um, that makes a lot of sense for student housing, and that's more of a of a transient you know short term rental with Airbnb and and you know other similar type of platforms that that are out there, and you know especially in student housing. It makes a lot of sense when there are things like graduations and concerts and 
football games, especially if you're in the Southeast, and really anywhere, but especially <laughs> the Southeast, <laughs> because you know the hotels and there's not enough hotels in those in those markets to cover those types of, of weekends. Anybody that's ever had to go to to Clemson for a football game knows about the you know the the thirty to forty five minute drive they've got to make to Greenville, South Carolina, in order yeah. to find accommodations. So, so a lot of a lot of property managers have been toying around with that idea of putting a a completely vacant unit because it's already furnished. So there's just really a few things you need to get in regards to linens and the cleaning service and plates and things like that for the kitchen that really, you know, from what I've talked to several, you know, the customers that have, have rented, you know, for a game day weekend or whatever, have really enjoyed it. And so it's, it's a great way to, uh, to pull in some ancillary rental income and uh, Mickey, your business is all about doing that. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's right. Um, vector travel. We'll get into a little bit more about how your how your platform is working with the with the student housing properties. But really quick, just to give everybody kind of the origin story of, of vector travel and and what you're doing. Sure. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. So the, the, the background of Vector is it really predates Vector, which goes back to as early as 2013. I co-founded another business called Rented.com, a marketplace that sought to connect residential assets with short-term rental operators like Vector is today. And that was really all around the lease model, specifically the corporate lease model. And that eventually overlapped with the multifamily industry and then the, you know, the subgroup of student housing. And basically that, that entailed either the rented capital fund or one of our clients going out, leasing a block of units. Uh, so maybe 10, 10 units with the purpose of monetizing those units via the short-term rental industry. So platforms like Airbnb, HomeAway, Booking.com, Expedia, then their own booking site with their own repeat guests and earning a, a margin on that. So we call that the lease arbitrage approach. So so I was heavily steeped in that for years. And through that experience, I, I had the idea of doing what Vector does today, which is to go out and partner with multifamily companies more broadly, uh, including student housing companies on their vacant units. So coming in basically as a fee management partner, activating those spaces and generating ancillary income, solving vacancy loss, and in certain cases, and and. I mean, frankly, ideally, returning uh, a rent premium to our clients even after our fees and expenses. And so the company was founded in early 2018. Uh, I founded it with a former client of mine, a, an existing operator, and we set about you know, solving this problem for our clients. And, and from the beginning, we've taken a client-driven approach, which has led us into some strange markets and has also led us into multiple uh, student housing properties just because that pain point that you touched on already is felt so greatly after the after the semester starts. You know, there's, there's not a whole lot that can be done around the units that were missed in the lease-up process. And so we've been able to come in, activate those spaces for our clients. Uh, as you said, you know, layering on a little bit of professional design, additional additional housewares, and then our level of service and expertise around distribution, revenue management, customer service and housekeeping, and, and even the accounting. And, and we've been doing that for our clients, and it's been growing really rapidly. 
so you mentioned there kind of the, the, the two different models, the, you know, the typical master lease uh, type model where another group that, that's leasing those units will turn around and, and put that on the, on the short-term market with Airbnb, Expedia, bookings.com, that type of thing. And, and that, and that's very much like a, a corporate lease agreement that I've done. In the past or something. With, right. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then there's, and then there's your model where you're basically doing it on a, on a fee basis can you can you dig into that just a little bit more on kind of what the split of the fees are and and what it is that you started talking a little bit there from a turnkey standpoint, but can you really kind of walk the listeners through you know what it is that that you guys do from you know cradle to grave with listing their units? Sure. Well, yeah, and and I can say a little bit more on the corporate lease approach as well. And you know, I think that is still the default within the kind of the confluence of the multifamily and the short terminal industries, which is this, this corporate lease approach. Why is that? I think it's more driven from, from the multifamily side of things than from the, the short terminal side of things. I think the short terminal operators have had to adjust to what the norms were within the multifamily space. And, you know, just as we said, it's much like an Oakwood or something traditional uh, corporate lease approach. They've they've tried to mirror that as closely as they could, despite the fact that they're monetizing the units in a in a new way. You know, with with processes that would be different to the onsite teams and to the the corporate leadership that was uh, ultimately approving those. But I think the time has has come for what Vector does, and and maybe what what some other companies out there either are doing or will do soon, but is coming in with this level of expertise, taking a small piece of the pie and doing all of these services for the multifamily companies. You know, I think part of it is just around needs. Um, so when when there's a need, people innovate. But beyond that, I think short-term rentals have just gone more mainstream, even within the multifamily context. So every event I go to now, it is one of the topics, if not one of the main topics at a multifamily conference event. And everyone's looking for their position on it. Um, and, and it's usually looking for their position on, on how to profit from it. Now, to get to your, your question around how do we operate, and I, and I do think this would be anybody that came in with a uh, short-term mental focus as a partner, as a, as a fee management uh, company coming in and activating those spaces. We want to do everything that we can with it. We want it as turnkey as possible. I think the only thing that we don't do uh, for our clients is maintenance. And that is usually just how the how our clients prefer it they've already got the on-site yeah. maintenance staff and we can just fit in with their ticketing system and so yeah so it does start even if so student housing unit might be 90 percent of the way there uh, for short-term rentals but then that last 10 percent you not only have to you know have the proper checklist but you have to do it well to you know the right design and and the right positioning can can make all the difference if you try to hide the fact that it's a student housing building for example then then that can lead to guest issues later that can lead to to poor financial results and then if you undersell it too you know that that can harm as well and so it's so really kind of finding somebody that's that's done that before that knows how to furnish for it and then knows how to market those properties online uh, leads to pretty good outcomes. But yeah, it is, it's everything from design, setup, photography, the listing creation, all of the guest communications, all of the housekeeping. When there's a guest issue, you know, that's us too. We really strive to do everything independent of the onsite staff. 
Well, and that's and that's so. I think I think that's you know where the huge value comes from from a group like yours because uh, you know I mentioned you know we, we kind of saw the writing on the wall with some of these markets that we were going to see you know a lot of extra inventory in. And when we had that conversation of, you know, with that particular property manager of, hey, let's consolidate as as many of the roommates as we can so we can end up with as many vacant units. Two reasons when I say vacant units, fully vacant units yeah. for two reasons. One, if someone is able to lease it, you know, you're able to to lease it a lot quicker if there aren't any other roommates in there. The other thing is, is to put it out there for short-term rentals like you're doing. And when I had that conversation or those conversations, the property manager's eyes just kind of got really big. (laughs) (laughs) And, 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 you know, and and there's a valid reason, you know, we've trained that person to be a, a, to be a property manager of a student housing community, not of a hotel. And one in particular that I remember having this conversation with had a background in, in hotel management. And so she knows what has to be done, you know, in order to, to market and then to make sure that everything is ready for the guests. And, and it was really tough for her to have that conversation. So, you know, we're excited about, you know, talking with you in regards to, in regards to, to those properties. And it's just nice knowing that there's somebody out there with this business model that, you know, can, can take that on, really kind of be a partnership in a partnership with us of, of trying to get those leased out and take a lot of that headache off. So, yeah, that's, that's right. I mean, one thing I say about it is a multifamily company, a student housing company could do short-term rentals, but they should not. And what I mean by that is, is basically what you just said, that, that it's not the role that the onsite team signed up for. It's really a hospitality function, not a, not a property management function. And then with those two kind of points as the framework for it, it, it permeates everything from the software stack to your standard, you know, operating procedures to how you interact with the guests and then what the turnaround time is on, on issues or questions or whatever. And so, you know, this is a, this is a 24-7, 365 day business. You know, once a unit comes online, it's it's online forever unless there's a maintenance issue or, or the contract doesn't get renewed. And so, so yeah, it's it, it would be interesting if a company had, you know, maybe a, a hotel arm to it. I, I suspect they'd have a leg up on, on doing it directly in-house, but it would still be an adjustment and, and they'd really have to invest in it fully for it to work. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, one, I don't think we, I don't think we talked about the the fee structure. Oh, yeah. Can you kind of give us a, an overview of what that looks like? Yeah, definitely. So, so we start with um, 75% to our client, 25% to us. And, you know, what does that mean? It, that's a, that's a fully loaded, you know, net fee breakdown. So it is net of net of platform fees, but then that pool of money that's left over, we we do all of the accounting for that. We pay out on a monthly basis, and you know, with that, we're covering our software software expenses. We're covering all of our labor expenses, all of our management, travel, all of that. It, you know, none of that is being billed back to the client, and, uh, and and including housekeeping, all of that is baked in, right? So that's the breakdown. And then if we were actually furnishing at our expense, then it's then it's a, a slightly different breakdown with us taking a larger share just to cover those furniture expenses. But in the student housing use case, it, it really you know, doesn't doesn't tend to apply with the exception of the, the housewares and linens. 
Gotcha. Gotcha. So now let's kind of walk, walk through the other side of it. Say we do that through the, you know, a student manager does that through the, you know, through the fall semester. And, you know, there's some, there's always the opportunity to, to pick up some additional leases from people that are transferring in that type of thing from going into spring semester. Kind of walk us through, you know, as far as, you know, kind of disengaging the unit with uh, with the vector platform. You know, what does that entail? And yeah. you can kind of, kind of walk us through, through that. Yeah. So it's, you know, back to us being a partner in this whole approach. We don't look at it as a negative necessarily to lose inventory when it's for a positive reason, such as, you know, a, a longer term lease for a client. In fact, we facilitate leasing activities in in the units that we're managing for our clients. So, you know, even in market rate buildings where we'll have perhaps a unit available and the on-site team doesn't have the same floor plan to show, we'll allow them to show a prospective tenant, our unit, you know, which has been professionally furnished and is professionally cleaned. And we've, we've facilitated a number of leases in our buildings. In the student housing context, we've dealt with that exact scenario even just last month. And it was simply a process of the client giving us notice that, that the leasing activity was picking up and that we should essentially start winding down the activities. So things like blocking the calendars from future bookings, you know, unwinding certain bookings if they were very far out. And then the ones that were kind of in a, in a, a midterm, near to midterm period, just servicing those, collecting the final revenues, doing the payout, physical walkthrough of the units, and then just a give back of, of everything. And so a pretty easy and seamless process. Gotcha. So, and what are those, what are the, the other fees? Cause you know, there's a 75, 25 split. I yep. get that, but that's on the net. So there's obviously booking fees to, you know, the platforms, Airbnb, bookings.com, those, those places. What are, what are some of those typical fees that are coming off of that you know, that nightly rental amount? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, however, I, I do like to remind everyone that really these platforms are the major drivers of, of bookings now for short-term rentals, and they have all of the SEM dollars in the world to spend. Mm-hmm. And so generally speaking, it's best just to focus on on the net and chalk it up to a cost of doing business on these platforms. That said, they range anywhere from about 10% up to as much as you want to pay pretty much on a, on a platform like Expedia where you're essentially bidding for your placement. Um, Now there's certain things that you can do in terms of how well, how quickly you respond, how well you respond, um, what the overall reviews are, professional photography, word count, all of these different things to optimize across different platforms. They all have their own algorithms. They all have some opacity around that where we, at times we have to guess, at times we work with our account reps on, on what are the best practices. But, um, but yeah, so, so they are somewhat healthy. Obviously the direct bookings, I mean, it's basically just the, the cost of, uh, of credit card processing involved with that. So those are ideal. We do that with all of our properties. We always have a, a building level website and we frame those as guest suites for the residents. So friends and family want to come to town, they can book directly on there. We give them a coupon code to incent them to do so. And so that works out pretty well. Um, beyond that, we're not in the business of 
you know, feeing guests or clients to death, there is a cleaning fee, uh, but that's generally a, a pass-through expense for us. And so, you know, whatever we're collecting there, we're, we're, we're paying in terms of, um, you know, housekeeping service and then supplies. We, we provide, you know, guests with, with, things like boxed water, um, just as, as part of that hospitality function. And so, so that goes to fund initiatives like that as well. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, the majority of the revenue we push into the rental income pool, which does get split up between the client and, and us, you know, generally 75% to them, 25 to us. Gotcha. So now I'm going to put my CFO cap on, um, because everything you've said sounds, you know, sounds fantastic. It's a great way of, you know, bringing in some additional revenue and, and trying to get the property, you know, to the economic occupancy that, you know, that it was probably originally underwritten for. But all those things, you know, all those things that Vector is taking care of, I know someone's going to have that question because I had that question because I've ran into it in the past is, Governmental requirements, mm-hmm. everything from zoning and special municipal overlays that um, the cities sometimes have in these university areas can, you know, sometimes keep that from even happening. And, and then on the other side of that, the taxes, because a lot of times a lot of these cities will have you know hotel tax or some type of short term tax uh, that's outside of you know what these what these property managers are, are used to paying, you know, from a sales tax standpoint. So uh, how involved does Vector get in that process and making sure that, A, that it's even legal to do it and, you know, for for the specific property and then B, kind of with that, we touched a little bit on the accounting, but, uh, you know, want to understand from that tax standpoint, if you're taking care of that liability as well. Yeah, great question. So on the front end with any opportunity, there's, you know, there's usually a, a conversation, essentially a, you know, a back and forth around the scope of services and general viability. We basically, you could call it underwriting. Uh, we basically underwrite a property on both levels. One is regulatory fit. And so, yeah, you're right to point out, you know, there's, there's basically, there's short-term rental regulations, and then there are also specific zoning codes that that sometimes can supersede the the short-term rental regulations. And unfortunately, with the exception of maybe a state like Arizona, you know, it varies municipality to municipality. The reason yeah, I point out really Arizona does. is it's um, they've they've made it illegal for the um, municipalities to ban short-term rentals. So at a state level, it's it is allowed, but. Uh, but yeah, so we have to dig into that, and we have a, a great lawyer who's been in the short-term rental industry for for six plus years, and then you know we've been just others on the team have been steeped in it as well. So we always review that, and then we do a short-term rental income projection based on the comparable data. And so those are really the the kind of the two levels of underwriting, and then we come back with with recommendations. There's almost always a path to doing it legally that just may entail a conditional use permit, which most likely if, if somebody's looking at trying this for, you know, a limited period of time with a small set of units probably isn't worth doing. If they think that it will be part of their longer term strategy and maybe be permanent or semi-permanent use, then it would be. But, um, but yeah, so we'll, we'll always study that. And, you know, just part of being the partner, we do all of that work for them. Now on the occupancy tax side, the, uh, the, the short term rental taxes, hotel like taxes, we, we, you're right. We do all of the accounting around that. Then it comes down to 
if there is a short-term rental permit, whose name is the permit in? So if it's in the client's name, then those funds are going to go generally to the client and then remitted. If the permits are pulled by uh, or acquired by Vector, then we'll handle that entire process soup to nuts. So we'll collect it, we'll account for it, and we'll report and, and pay. Gotcha. Okay. Well, now let me take the CFO hat on and put on the parent hat. <laughs> I, think, yeah. I think I think a lot of operators are probably, you know, I mean, ultimately at the end of the day, you know, our renters that are students have, most of them have parents that are, you know, the biggest concern is, is their safety and security. And when you're talking about, you know, commingling long-term residents with more transient residents who, you know, typically, you know, there, there's, I mean, you look at any area that has uh, a large transient population, I guess is the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's typically uh, a concern with that because they're just in and out and you don't really know who's who and that type of thing. I don't think it bothers the the students so much because you know they they use Airbnb they they're kind of used to to that platform when they do their own travel be it for spring break or whatever but I can tell you most most parents are going to have you know some kind of immediate concern with it having a company like like Vector who really specializes in this type of platform I think could certainly help parents feel a little bit more comfortable. Um, what is it that, that your company does that would help parents get comfortable with the idea of neighbors who are, you know, maybe just there for one night? Yeah, yeah. Tr- you know, trust and safety is uh, is always a concern uh, with any multifamily building. I mean, almost every building that we work with has some form of controlled access, and and so that that is the framework within which we work in market rate and student housing buildings. And it is a consistent concern. Now, back to our approach, you know, we do take this partnership approach. So when a client wants us to ensure that we're only allowing certain guests in, we can do, we don't do credit checks because it's generally irrelevant. The, you know, the payments are made in advance. And so if there's a payment issue, then we can suss that out on the front end before the person ever gets there. But more on the background check side, we can you know, generally post booking, pre-stay, run the background check. Believe it or not, platforms like Airbnb do background checks, do a level of it, and and I've mm-hmm. you know I've, I've read that and I've I've had those conversations with their multifamily group as well. The extent of that uh, is unknown, but but otherwise, you know, we do what we can to control that. That said, there are limitations to everything. Um, you know, when a resident leases a unit, they may pass everything and then bring in a guest um, that is, you know, that might have a criminal record that would not have passed that background. The same thing can occur with the short-term rental space. We do what we can, you know, when, if there is an issue, it's also about, you know, how do we react and how do we manage that? And we do have protocols for, you know, intervening with, with any kind of problem guests and, and getting them removed. So, so Mickey, this is this is kind of what is playing out in my head, and I think would be playing out in most of the property managers' heads. Uh, you know, in, in regards to this, you know, let's let's just set up the scenario. All right, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. It's you know, there's a lot of extra inventory in that market. So, perfect market to talk about using a platform like Vector. And you know, what I could see is kind of that first ball game. There's 
uh, you know, I think one of the typical users would probably be someone kind of post-grad 23 to 28 years old that's coming in town to kind of have a reunion with a lot of his buddies. And, you know, they end up booking through Vector or on Airbnb. And after the ball game, it turns into <laughs> reliving their college days. Right. right. <laughs> and not that not that every other student's not going to be, you know, partying, uh, but uh, you know, it's a little bit different for a property manager when it comes to when it comes to their residents. Kind of walk me through what you know. Get get me comfortable with with how Vector works with the property manager and the things you guys have in place to to really help in those type of situations. Yeah, well, you know, it starts when 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 there is a physical key and a physical fob. Uh, we, we do have a secure locker system that we use which ensures only the the resident who booked has access to it, you know, checks that out. So we know where that, that key and fob, at least, you know, were checked out and when and to whom. Gotcha. And so it sort of starts there. Then when this 25-year-old <laughs> comes back after the game, screaming RTR and, uh, you know, drinking lots of beers and getting rowdy in the room. We, uh, we also use a, a bit of technology. It's called noise aware and it's, it does not monitor what is said. It simply monitors noise decibel levels in a unit. And when we, when that, when that occurs for any, any sustained period of time and it reaches the decibel level that we set, you know, oftentimes somewhere between 40 and 50 decibels, we'll get that alert. So, if we have okay. 25 plus units in a in a building, we'll tend to have some some kind of on staff uh, on site staff there at peak times. But if it's you know okay. only a handful of units, five to ten, usually doesn't make sense to have the person there. You know, so we, so we have boots on the ground in the market. But basically, we'd get an alert. We'd reach out to them remotely. Uh, we'd escalate that, you know, a second time. Phone calls to the guests if they continue to to play loud music or you know or have any kind of disturbance. And then you know the last thing we'll we'll send somebody over there from our team. If there is an on-site security team, we can loop that in. You know, keep it kind of internal to the property, but uh, but also you know Vector is there and managing it. And then as needed, you know we we can and we have removed guests who who continue to cause a disturbance. I will say it is incredibly rare. There's something about staying in an apartment that kind of takes the takes the wind out of the party mode. Um, you know, most people that that are booking it seems tend to book houses to throw parties, not apartments. The apartment is generally a place to, to kind of, you know, shower, do some work and sleep, you know, and then from there, that's our launching point. And, and that is the benefit oftentimes of these student housing properties is their, is their co-location to whether it's the football stadium or even just, you know, the other, the other things that are parts of, of college towns, they're, they're often extremely walkable. Yeah, yeah. It's very interesting about NoiseWare. In fact, I, I'm, I'm thinking maybe most of our property managers are probably Googling that right <laughs> now uh, because they need it in the in their in their units for long-term residences. Yeah, well. yeah. I need a, a vector code so I can get a commission on that. But yeah, no, definitely. No, we, we use <laughs> exactly. it. We use it across the board, and we really uh, we really enjoy the service. And, and the other thing with the locker, so I, I didn't didn't realize that before. So I guess with that locker system, you know, the keys are there. I guess the um, the short term guest has some type of code or, or telephone credential or something that allows them to open it, just kind of like an Amazon locker or something. That's right. Similar. That's to that. right. Yeah. So with each with each guest, they'll get a unique code uh, and identifier to go in, and that only opens the 
the locker associated with that unit. And then at checkout time, you know, they're supposed to return it. And then again, that's where our service comes in. We're monitoring that remotely to see has the key been returned. If not, we're reaching out to the guest saying, hey, it's time to check out, by the way. Also, you know, return your key. And then we've also got the, you know, the boots on the ground, the housekeeping staff that's going to be there to reinforce that. Well, that was going to be my next question. I'm assuming that the cleaning staff and everything is is using that locker system to gain access. So it's not even a situation where they have to come into the uh, into the office and say, uh, hey, I'm here to clean apartment 101. Exactly. It's they don't really don't even see them unless if they want to, I guess. Yes, yes, exactly. So again, you know, we want to perform our service, activate this inventory, but really handle everything that we can without involving the onsite team. And so the the housekeeping team is going to come in. They're generally going to have, you know, their their set of keys or or you know, their own codes and be able to access the building and then be able to access the units that they need to turn uh, on any given day. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you, I mean, as a, as a parent of four, and of course, most of them are, are a ways away from going to college yet, but yeah. that what you explained there, you know, makes a lot of sense. And, uh, you know, seems like there's, there's a, uh, should be a good way of, of tracking, not everybody that's going in and out, but certainly, you know, the guest that's responsible for, for what's happening in that unit. So, yeah, that, and I, uh, I should mention that as well, that so with every client, we 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 built our own basically owner or client portal system. And so whoever has access to that on the on the client side can have a live look in at any given moment of who is staying in which unit, you know, what their dates of check in and check out are. And, and the financials around the, the overall performance. So back to us being a partner and, and you know striving to be as transparent as possible, that's just one other way that we can do that. We also do other things. If the onsite team wants to know, if they want to have redundancy around that, we can have uh, every time there's a booking confirmation, we can, we can send that to a uh, designated email address and then they they're building their own repository of guest information that that they can search or reference as needed. You know, if there's if there's any concern, whether is this a legitimate guest or not? Gotcha. Gotcha. So, uh, Mickey, the, the way that you and I first came across each other, uh, I'd read an article on LinkedIn with uh, that had been published by short term rentals, rentals dot com. If anybody wants to check that out, it's short term rentals with a Z at the end dot com. And you were really explaining that, you know, this is a uh, this is an alternative for student housing operators to to get some ancillary income from those vacant units that they've got. Two things here. One, I want to make sure that all of the <laughs> all of the student housing operators understand that this really should only be for completely vacant units. You shouldn't be commingling you know, within a four bedroom apartment. If you've got a vacant bedroom, you really shouldn't yep. be commingling. Um, uh, uh, you know, a short-term stay with that, uh, unless if there's some purpose-built access around, uh, you know, around your facility that it makes sense for. But for the most, for most of the uh, student housing buildings that are out there, I don't think that that makes sense. Uh, so uh, definitely want to keep this to the to the completely vacant units. Uh, but in that article, you gave a test case of of a company or a property, a building in Austin, Texas, they handed over 17 vacant units and kind of assuming that 
you know, all of those were, were four bedroom units for a second. In the first month of operation, you were able to, to put back $35,000 in fee income into their pockets. That's $514 a bed per month, which again, using that, using that four bedroom model, um, if you look in the, in the market today, the market rent there is, is just a little over $1,000 on a four bedroom bedroom. So essentially you were able to take their economic occupancy or excuse me, their economic vacancy and cut that in half for that month. So assuming that client is getting middle of the road rents in Austin, uh, is this something that, that's pretty typical in this test case or, or is this well, atypical? <laughs> so the majority of those units were actually studios or, you know, in the student housing parlance, two bed units. And so the, the performance was gotcha. actually better than that. Um, I think there were only two four bed units or, or two, two bedrooms. Um, and so, so yeah, and that was net of, you know, all platform fees, our fees and, you know, cleaning fees and all of that. So it was purely ancillary income, net income for them. And that was solid. Uh, furthermore, when it's, positioned against what would have happened, which is those units would have sat vacant definitely for all of October. Um, and, you know, to your earlier point, maybe they could have been re-leased uh, or, or leased again at the, at the turn of the semester, but at least for those next couple of months, they were going to sit vacant. And and so we were able to, to generate those returns. And then we've actually continued to operate in that building. And uh, some of it, I think, is, is client need driven or, or probably the majority, but the rest of it has been around just general performance where they're happy with the returns on the units we're managing. And so they've actually doubled the unit count that we have. So uh, it'll be at 35 units. And and there's talk of, of increasing that further, um, which is exciting for us. And I think for the client as well, where they've always seen this this potential use in their building based on the zoning. Yeah. Yeah. And you and I had a, a soft conversation about that, uh, that specific property. And <laughs> it was actually in my portfolio at one time and, and we leased it out on Airbnb for, cause we had several floors that were vacant. We leased it out on Airbnb. Gosh, this is probably four or five years ago uh, for South by Southwest. Yeah. And I mean, we were able to make some killer income that week or those two weeks, I should say. But from a from a, a management standpoint, if it wasn't for the fact that there was uh, kind of a, a friend of the management company that was actually doing this in Austin for rental properties that she owned, it, it would have been, we would have been very lost <laughs> to yeah. say the least. So again, I mean, it's, it's, uh, this is just pretty incredible what you know, being able to put back $35,000, you know, in a month to that property is pretty incredible. It, it is. I mean, we're, we're surprised by it as well. And I, I think as this matures further within the multifamily industry, I do think that the dedication of units to this purpose could become more permanent. I think the income, you know, will be recognized to a greater extent by lenders in the space. You know, that is a concern that that folks have right now. I don't think it should play when you're talking about, you know, probably less than 10% of units in most cases, which which is uh, generally what you might do with corporate leases anyway. And especially if it's basically to float cash flow through either, 
you know, one or two semesters. Um, I, I don't think that that should really factor in the decision making process. But but again, as this becomes even more accepted in the industry, I do think I think it will be part of a, a longer term strategy, including the, the capital partners. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, Mickey, I, thanks for for spending uh, the time with us today on, on explaining what what you're doing and just how short term rental is is fitting into the student housing space. This is some valuable information for our folks. If they want to get in touch with you, what's the what's the best way? What's your website? Where's all the what are all the channels they can get a hold of you? Yeah, well, thank you for having us, um, Wes. Yeah, it's it's vectorstays.com is the URL, and info at vectorstays.com is, is probably just the best best email address. But uh, we'll turn around uh, response pretty quickly, even if somebody wants to send in a, a building and say, hey, is this a good fit for short-term rentals? You know, we have a need here. We'll we'll do what what I talked about earlier, which is we'll check out the regulations and then we'll we'll look at the short term rental income potential and then and then get back to them with uh, with our recommendations. Well, fantastic, Mickey. I appreciate it, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks so much, Wes. Take care. Well, there you go. I hope I asked all the questions that are going through your mind in regards to in regards to short-term rental. And regardless if you decide to use Vector or one of Vector's competitors, or if you try to do this yourself, please make sure that you go back and re-listen to this and really kind of you know understand kind of all the things that are out there that you need to consider before putting your or listing your uh, vacant units on on short-term rental markets. So any anything else specifically from the interview that you want to talk about? Because I know you've got some other things, Greta, that you want to talk about <laughs> in regards to things that they can, I things that so property should be ago. doing. I don't even remember those things anymore. That was like 38 <laughs> minutes ago. <laughs> I forgot. No, I don't. I still think, I think that it was a great interview and I really still can't believe you thought of every, like in that interview, like I just sat there and I was like, Wes thought of that. Wes thought of that. Well done, Wes. There's a reason I'm a consultant, you know. Oh, shut up. That doesn't mean you think of everything that I do. There's a reason why we complement each other well. This is true. <laughs> so, yes, in regards to other options, and it's not like I have them written down, so it's literally just off the top of my head. Um, it's There are additional options when you are looking for backfilling and, you know, when you need to get those leases in the door and the the main ones are you have to remember there are unfortunately students that do show up i've learned in my experience who show up without housing it's the weirdest thing in the world so don't stop marketing for and guerrilla marketing as again i mentioned this previously guerrilla marketing we did find so on the ground marketing with flyers not Again, for the nine billionth time, not just flyers, because this is not 1986 in L.A. for Guns N' Roses concerts. So guerrilla marketing with flyers with something attached to the flyers, but notifying people that you do currently have open spaces available for people to move into because there will be people that are looking to move in currently. But beyond that obvious one, there are additional options for that. And that's going to be for the visiting professors. So visiting the university and finding out about any visiting professors that either haven't arrived yet or are still staying in hotels and need that short-term leasing. That is a huge one. Also, if you have any of the medical, the hospitals, any nearby hospitals that you have, you have 
traveling nurses, you have traveling physicians, you have traveling specialists. These people come in and out of the hospitals. They do need short-term stays and they do need furnished apartments. This was a really huge one, even in standard housing. And so we would have to have the furnished apartments. And so student housing is a very, very viable option. It requires a little bit more marketing on your part, but you can get in the door. I promise you, promise you that. And so those are going to be like your your biggest, biggest leads right there to be able to go get in the door. And so those would be the top ones that I would recommend to be able to go and try to get those leases to start backfilling. And I wish you all the luck because backfilling in the fall term, it is definitely not the not the easiest task. So this plus the short term leasing, those are going to be your most viable options to be able to try and get even, you know, if you can hit 12% additional, I'm going to be impressed. Yeah, Greta, thanks for for mentioning that. I know that it was part of our summer marketing podcast episode that we did as Hashtag well. So, garbage. yeah, so definitely go back and and check that out if if you want more details on that. So let's um let's move on to some other things that are coming up. Um, now that we're officially into the fall semester, we've got our final two. Uh, SHI regional summits that are coming up this fall. One is coming up very soon on September 10th. So we're, I don't know, 15, 20 days away from that um, by the time this podcast comes out. And that's going to be the the Southwestern Regional, uh, which is on September 10th. And it is in Waco, Texas. For so many reasons that I, I, I'm just not even going to get into, but it is a, it, it's going to be a blast. And uh, I think possibly by the time this podcast goes out uh, or after this goes out, we're going to be making a major announcement Ooh. about someone who's going to be speaking. I like how so, I am it now. Can I know at least when we're done recording? I love. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll like, tell you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you afterwards. But it's kind of super I'm not secret. Ever kidding, by the way, guys. When I don't ever know what's going on, yeah, <laughs> I literally just so, come here and record things. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> hopefully we can announce it. We'll certainly announce it on the SHI community and on Instagram. So make sure you're paying attention to that. But we've already got an incredible lineup of, of panels and speakers and. If you haven't checked that out, please go to studenthousinginsight.com and click on upcoming events and go to that specific tab and and you'll get all the information there. Yeah. Registration. If you haven't bought your ticket yet, what are you doing? This event. Especially if you're in Texas or Oklahoma. Seriously, though. (laughs) There's. There is no reason to not be going to this event. It is not expensive. It's going to be amazing. There is not another event to make it comparable to. This is the one to go to, like hands down. We have a good number of people that are already going and are coming from places that aren't even actually in Texas, by the way. And the Southeastern Conference is coming up on October 1st in Charlotte. We're back at the Whitewater Center again. And it's uh, we've got some incredible things that we're going to be announcing pretty soon with that one too so yeah super excited about that and if you're in the south any of the southeast markets from georgia to virginia including eastern tennessee make sure you get to charlotte make sure you get your folks to charlotte if you're a regional manager uh, or if you're in the c-suite you've got to start sending your folks to this because uh, the information and and just the experience that they're going to get out of it is unlike anything that has been provided before. And I think this, the content that comes out of this is going to be something that's going to make a huge impact on your teams. Also, we've got an incredible, 
incredible market analysis workshop that has, we've just taken it to a whole nother level uh, with a recent partnership that we're announcing with College House Research. so exciting. there's so many there's so many details <laughs> I wish I could pour out right now. I, I don't have time to do it on this podcast, but there there's a lot of updates and things that are coming out on LinkedIn this week that will give you all of that information. If you haven't checked out collegehouse.com yet, please go do that and look at their research analytics tool. And that'll give you just a little bit of understanding of of what that is going to allow us to do with our uh, and partnering with them for our market analysis workshop. So, Greta, anything else? I'm just sitting here with like the biggest smile on my face. <laughs> I just think it's so exciting. That's all. I think these events are incredible and I'm so excited. Like, I'm just so excited. That's it. That's all I got. I got nothing else. <laughs> well, guys, thanks for listening. Again, this podcast is sponsored by Unilodgers. If you do not have Unilodgers as part of your marketing strategy for the 2019-2020 leasing season, make sure you reach out to them this month because honestly, if you want to get listed on their platform for the upcoming leasing season, you need to do that. I've got some incredible specs that Joanna Rell, uh, we're going to be doing a podcast with her in, in a couple of weeks. And some of the, I mean, they've, I mean, we've talked about them on this show for a while, you know, they kind of made a quiet entrance into into the US market this year but the results that they've began telling me about is incredible and can't wait to um to have her in to talk about that so that's coming up as well Greta anything else literally nothing sir literally nothing <laughs> <laughs> all right guys thanks again and we'll talk to you soon bye